kind of job hunting, they can be a very lonely process. You thought you were the only person in the world and all of a sudden you opened up. And when we open up, then other people will open up. And then you hear a lot of what other people are coping with too. And it makes them not feel so lonely. In 2023, I was unemployed for seven weeks. I started my new employment on the 16th of October 2023. In this episode of Gentleman Lars, I talk with the psychotherapist Abigail Welshman about what I have learned from these seven weeks of unemployment. Nice to see you again now. Yeah, same here, Lars. It's been a while and uh, there's been a lot of changes for you. Yeah, that's right. I found the employment. It took me seven weeks of unemployment, but then I started this new job. Congratulations. And things are going well? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I enjoy it. And also I've been writing about this on LinkedIn it's so common that people are having this kind of problems and really feel a lot of stress. So I guess it's very common. It's fantastic news. I mean, I've been part of your journey and I know it sometimes it was worrying, which I think a lot of people can relate to. I don't know how it feels for you, but this episode feels like the closing episode. When I'm in my sessions, when we have the last session together, I always find it's really helpful to reflect upon the journey and perhaps what you've taken with you. Yeah, I mean, if I would do the same thing today, I would start doing different things right away because first very much I looked at the ads and sent in the applications, but more happened when I did other things. But it's also been very much a learning experience, how common these problems are, writing a lot about on LinkedIn, and people contacted me. I think it's so easy to get the feeling like the only person in the universe. And then it's like, wow, it's like very common. Yeah. Going from the only person in the universe to feeling actually quite cramped in a room because there are so many other people feeling perhaps or going through similar emotions. Mm. Like in Sweden, there are things that could be working in a different way and have less unemployment. Some recruiters or employers look at age and uh, real qualifications. What do you really need if you have these super high qualifications, not even more or less possible to find a person? Maybe you should start thinking about how you look for, for new employees. So I think what is needed since things are changing so rapidly with technology and everything that there would need to be, like in Sweden, a discussion like, okay, we're having a problem. What could we do about it? I don't really feel there is a discussion like this. And I was surprised about some of the problems that I experienced, how it's working. But I mean, there are things that should be able to be solved. If you compare Sweden and Denmark, they have a much lower rate of unemployment. Maybe just look at what are they doing and start changing. Well, I don't think I have all the solutions, but I can see some of the problems. When I have been talking with quite a few 
recruiters, some of them, they are like, all the problems will go away if we just start testing more. They have like this all kind of testing about your personality and your logical skills. And I wouldn't say that would be the solution. A lot of other people who are looking for a job are like, no, not feeling that's a great way. Yeah, kind of making the system better. I'm wondering, because you mentioned earlier on about look at your CV and we'll look at the age, a certain kind of discrimination. I'm not sure, how is it in Sweden with photos? Do you submit a photo as well with your application? Yeah, these days it's common to do it. Yeah, so I know in Britain years ago, that used to be a no-go. So if you submitted an application with a photo, it would have to go in the bin immediately. So as not to discriminate against someone. Nowadays, you can submit your application without your date of birth. Certain things like that as well to make the process kind of more open and available for everyone. Since recruitment tests are common in Sweden today, we continue to talk about that. These tests are way too broad because the testing that I have felt made sense was one time there was a job where I should write a lot of things. They gave me a task to write a press release and that made sense for me because that was really connected to that job. I think it's quite surprising many times with the tests, but probably depends on what kind of job it is also. Yeah, the personality test has become quite a thing used hugely by recruiters. This trying to kind of make it very black and white, I think is a bit of an issue. Yeah, I really got interested in this, the recruitment, the testing, and it's so common. I don't know how it is in all other countries, but these days in Sweden, very often people get a link and then you have to do some kind of test. So really like finding out more about why is this working and what would be like the pros and cons. So I'm actually really interested in, in learning more about this and also try to be open-minded. I can see the problems, but of course there will probably be some good things about it. So just listening to both sides and learning more about it. Going back to the beginning, you said you would do many things very differently. Can you describe what you would do differently? I think that might be quite interesting. Yeah, because I was starting to look out for the new employment when I was employed by the previous place. But then I wasn't too stressed. I didn't work too much with the sending out applications and so on. So I would start doing more effort earlier on. But then also to try all kind of different ways of getting in touch with the people who might help me get a job, like do more variations earlier on in the process. Because what really was working well, I would say, was when I started to write on LinkedIn each day about that I was looking for a job and I made short interviews with different people and so on. And that got a lot of attention. Try to start out doing all kind of different ways to get in touch with people who might employ me. Well, seeing an ad and sending an application, no, that didn't work out. Because first I was really sure that, yeah, I want to work with communications. A lot of those jobs, they have really, really high competition. So what other kind of jobs could I look for? Yeah, definitely. So kind of not going for down the traditional route. Mm. 
during this process, I'm actually quite surprised that employers or recruiters are still putting out ads in the traditional way. But like in communications, that's a strange way of recruiting people. And so many people are feeling turned down. You send your applications and then you get the no, thank you, good luck thing over and over again. One thing I was happy that I did a lot of things. The things we did are really useful. And getting in touch with people and talking and getting feedback and IDs. But during one day of trying to find a new job, I could feel like really happy for some hours and then like, no. So yeah, it could be stressful. That feeling cropping in of cognitive distortions, black or white thinking. And maybe those kind of things are also the warning sign to just kind of take a step back and focus on something else because your life still carried on. I think that you mentioned a couple of things there that are quite important. Being proactive. So kind of not feeling totally out of control gives us the feeling of actually we're still in the driver's seat to a degree. I recently read the book Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. For instance, I found this book. These are people teaching at Stanford and they had working with product design, service design. And I was like, design your life. So one thing they advised was if you want to get into a field, just get in touch with people and uh, who are working with what you want to work with and ask them like, hey, I'm not looking for a job at your place, but could we just talk for like 15 minutes? And that was really useful. They could get me advice about how they found a job and look at my CV. And even if I didn't get a job at any of those firms, there were people saying like, yeah, you have a really interesting CV and so on, but the times are tough. But still it was like, I have useful stuff that could be useful in this businesses. It's so easy just to have a little chat with someone for 15 or 20 minutes. You really get a feeling about what's important in a company and what do they value and what do I have to offer them, really. Superb way of going about it. That would also help within an interview. It's absolutely not wasted time at all. Speaking to other people, learning about stuff, getting as much information as possible. And along the way, every now and again, there was like a little island where you would get positive feedback, which as well at times was positive. And that's important to register those moments as well. Yeah, because it's a boost for self-confidence when you get some kind of response. Actually, that's one thing that I will continue doing. And usually people think it's fun to talk about what they are doing. And also that's kind of funny. Tomorrow I will meet one guy. Several people have contacted me because of the LinkedIn things. So we're going to have a coffee early in the evening. He wanted to know more about my way of (laughs) finding a job. That's really fun to pass on my experience. And could that help other people? Great. That's superb. It's like uh, you've come full circle. So gone from asking people to now actually having people ask you. Yeah. 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 It's super fun. That's great. 
out of the whole experience, Lars, what would you say was the golden nugget for you? I would say it's pretty much what I told you already, but not to get stuck and doing things in one direction, but do different things, do that quickly. That took me a while. Jobs in communications, PR, it's like super tough because a lot of those companies, they are, well, have to lay off people more or less. Yeah, that's another element. Learning new things about yourself, looking at jobs which you perhaps normally wouldn't consider and kind of like, oh, could I see myself doing something like completely different? That seems to be a good thing that you're very good at it is communicating with others. It sounds like you can carry a lot with you for future goal setting. Yeah, absolutely. And doing the out of the box things all the time, I would say. And then also, like one thing that you were very clear about, and I think it's so super important, like to take a day off, have time to relax, do something fun. So true. You need it. And then other people I've seen just so fixed on their goal, and that's all they commit to. And then they achieve their goal, and then they're at a total loss because they've neglected kind of relationships and their health. It is really important to be kind with ourselves, not to set the bar high, set it a bit lower so we have that feeling of achievement. Then what do you think you're going to fill your time with now? I have been learning things. Okay, I had this goal. I wanted an employment. Now it's like setting another goal for 2024. When you don't have an employment, that's more or less like number one because, well, you need that. But now there are other things I want to achieve. Because really to remind oneself of the goal, I have this uh, little Japanese Daruma doll. Do you know them? Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Because then you paint one eye when you have a wish and when it's finished, you paint the other. And since that was working with my job goal, I uh, bought another little Daruma doll for the goal for 2024. Oh, that's fabulous. I love it. That's great. I might take that myself, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And you have a little nice reminder each day. He's standing, looking at me. So, yeah. Very cool. Okay. So it seems you've got another task to be getting on with. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important always to have some task. So do you have any things you think I should be thinking about now when I go on with another goal for 2024? Looking at how you goals at, that would be a way forward. What's your kind of strategic in setting your goal? It's really important as well to phrase your goal very positively. It has to be a motivator. When people say like, my goal is to not do something, also our subconsciousness cannot process a negative. So if you say, I want to stop smoking, then your subconsciousness is hearing, I want to smoke. The SMART goals has been around for many, many years, and each step makes sure that the goal you're aiming for is like the best way it can be phrased. It has to be measurable as well. You know, it has to be attractive to you. It has to be realistic as well. And then also the last one is like the time base. 
you give yourself a time by which you want to have achieved your goal. And it's very interesting how your initial kind of goal that you think you have might actually change. Mm, Yeah. And how important would you say it is to write down a goal? I would say it's very, some people might disagree. I would say writing down, especially handwriting. Handwriting gives us a, a more personal connection with something. It's a reminder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think the reminder thing, because you uh, gave me the advice to write post-it notes as I did that. And that was really good because it's simple. It's no effort. You still, you're like constant reminder. Yeah, it's a great way for reminders. I would suggest every three to four weeks change in the post-it notes because we become kind of, we're quite habitual, aren't we? And then we just get used to it being there and then we don't recognize it. But if we change the color of the post-it note and also move on because perhaps what we need to be reminded of actually changes over time as well. So kind of updating, it's giving yourself an update. We update our computers, our mobile phones. It's about updating ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then also I feel, because what I'm working with right now, it's more, it's like with education, with project management of education. But still, I feel that I need the writing, doing podcasts, that kind of stuff. So I also want to keep that in my life also. But then also I have my small company to do the other things as well. So I don't lose that, which is something really giving a lot of energy, I would say. Giving a lot of energy and getting a lot of energy from doing those things. It's like watering. It's a plant that's growing and making sure it can grow, giving it space. Sounds great. Well, I mean, it's been really good to have this advice and chats with you because looking for a job, because it's so easy, I think, to feel lonely in that process and also get the hands-on advice. I think it's important for anyone. It's so easy to believe that I'm the only one. But then like this, when I was starting to making these podcast episodes together with you and writing about it, at first I was so afraid that maybe people look at me like I'm some kind of loser or a little weird to do this. I was like, no, 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 not at all. Well, thanks a lot. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Lars. It's been absolutely amazing to be part of your journey. It's been amazing at trying different things. And like you said, kind of job hunting, they can be a very lonely process. But as you mentioned at the beginning of this, you thought you were the only person in the world. And all of a sudden you opened up. And when we open up, then other people will open up and then you hear a lot of what other people are coping with too and it makes them not feel so lonely. The producer of this episode is Lars Carlin. Editing and mixing was done by Anjuli Kopta. Gentleman Lars is produced by the production company Tonträff.